0: You are listening to The Edge, a podcast for personal development junkies and visionaries living right at the precipice of, oh shit, meets fuck yeah. I'm Nadia Munda, an embodiment and relationship coach and a lover of all edges. Stick around to listen to Raw Unpolished Conversations, where we explore our personal and collective edges in all their erotic glory. So I'm just so excited to have you, Nina. I've been waiting months (laughs) to have this conversation (laughs) because there are so many beautiful things that you post online that really, I find, help us go into the depths of inquiry around things that we somehow just lean back and assume and this is in particular around like labels when we talk about you know what it's like to this prescriptive you know masculine feminine that you know you and I both work in these worlds and so like there's so many things that come up that can be confusing and i think also there is um a lot that you've been posting about recently that i would love for us to get into today um around cancel culture and how you know us as women are really playing this like the good innocent you know girl or like the little victim and there's so much I think to unpack here around the ways that there's this shadowy side of the woman that's coming out so I just want to start off by saying I what I love so much about you and what I want to share with my community is that you i feel your heart and your devotion so deeply in the work that you do and it really moves me and at the same time i also feel the feisty like edge pusher and mm-hmm. what i think is so beautiful about that is that you get to you are embodying the spectrum of the feminine and you're showing us that it's not just about Oh, Okay, let's be in love and let's have our hearts open and let's be in the longing and the ache, although you do that so beautifully, but also that there is this side of us where we have to look at how are we also accountable? Where are we bringing in our shadow, our shit into the space? and pretending like, oh, it's all everyone else's fault, right? So I just want to (laughs) recognize that spectrum in you. And Mm -hmm. I think that was a big pull as to why I felt like, oh, the people listening to this podcast love that range, and they're going to love you. So yeah, just wanted to, Mm -hmm. to offer that as a little context. And what I would really love us to dive in today is really debunking a little bit these misconceptions, these myths, these misunderstandings of a lot of the teachings that you and I both work in around polarity, embodied intimacy, what it really means to be feminine and masculine. And in particular, I want to start us off with this idea of devo- since you are, you know, the, 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 the devotional way, it's I think that there's so much confusion just in that, right? Where a lot of people take the idea of a devotional woman and they really see it as like a doormat. Like, how am I being a doormat? How do I not be a doormat yet still be devotional? And so I'm curious if you could just share with us, as you worked through the layers of devotion, what have you found has been the biggest confusing, you know, thing for people around these two pieces of devotional versus doormat?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful question. Well, I think a lot of it is context around religion. When people think of devotion, I think there's a lot of, even when you Google devotion, it's a lot of Christian based Mm -hmm. stuff. So I think there's a context of like, Oh, just be devotional to this God that knows everything and like submit and of course, that actually is a part of devotion, but I think the historical context, it carries this quality of blind submission to it that a lot of people are averse to and turned off by for good reason, I think. Um, but there's also an aspect of devotion. Of, to me, devotion is an orientation. It's an orientation to something greater than ourselves. and And having that be our beacon throughout everything that we do, right? We can get so consumed by our own process, our own story, our own self. And that's ultimately unsatisfying, I think, for the spiritual seeker. It's not a satisfying experience to live in when we're just consumed by what am I going to get? What is my, what is in it for me? What is, right? So, and So for me, devotion is stretching beyond that, feeling beyond that. What is bigger than this? And people can have a devotional practice to whatever they feel inspired by that's bigger than them. It could be like motherhood is a devotional practice for many people. Um, Work, you know, having a purpose that they can devote themselves to where they put their own patterns aside and can stretch beyond into this bigger thing. For me, um it's it's my intimate practice, relational practice. And ultimately in that it's also the divine, the divine in my partner and the the divine in totality, which I don't even have words to put on what that is for me. It's it's a depth, it's a it's a power, it's an openness that I I orient to throughout my day. I'm not always uh great at it (laughs) but it's it's the practice it's the way and that's why I call my work the way of devotion because it's not like there's no goal right it's it's simply a coming back to a remembrance again and again and I think when people hear that um they get it they resonate with that yeah
0: I love that the, the way that you put that because one thing that I've been noticing that I'm also a student. I'm really getting humbled by something a student of, is how in the last, say, five or 10 years, with this beautiful expansion of the personal development industry and the coaching world and whatnot, um, what happened was there also was this. Uh, conflation of like consumerism and capitalism with spirituality and with personal development and part of what's happened unconsciously for a lot of us because i do believe we are all doing this work ultimately on the deepest level because um we want to be devotional like you said but what's happened is it's like okay how do i do certain practices to get something else right right mm-hmm. And this mechanism has become, you know, partly because of sales pages that are like, if you do this program, you get this thing, you know, like, and so the whole framework that we're being sold over and over again on a daily basis is if you are spiritual enough, which is actually a very old way of doing things, right? It's like the church did the same thing. I think all institutionalized religion was like, if you come and pray and do the things and da, 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 you will then get rewarded. And here in this paradigm, it's like, okay, you will get rewarded either with like the king, or you will get rewarded with the million dollars, or you will get rewarded with whatever the infinity pool is like always my example for some reason. <laughs> and, um, and the truth is that has actually strayed us away from the path of devotion. Because one thing that I saw in one of your posts once, I think I have it written down somewhere, was and I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but this idea of You know, how do we be, wait, what was that exactly you said? Like, how do we essentially work with being love for the sake of being love, not in order to get love, that there's something about doing it because it's our truth and our essence, as opposed to let me play a part in order to then get the love that I want. Which I often see played out over and over again. So I'm curious if you have any any thoughts on on that piece. Yes, I
1: do. I don't even know where to start though. <laughs> <don't even> <laughs> and you're putting it in the context. You know, you started in terms of sharing, like a sales page, for example. How do we combine work with spirituality, our spiritual work, with sharing it in the world, money, creating safety and security for ourselves? And honestly, I'm. I feel like I've been in the deconstruction process around a lot of that in myself because it it i've just i've played the game i play in it you know i understand how like yes i can play the game and say if you come to this program you'll get this because that's what get people they people want tangible results and ultimately i i devotion doesn't sell because there is no tangible result <laughs> But some people are into that, but it's not going to be your million dollar, you know, like a program, it's Like, come dive into the mystery where everything is going to fall apart and we don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And, totally. <laughs> and that's, that's how I feel. And I'm, you know, for me, I, I need to stick with that because that's what's true for me right now. And maybe there'll come a time where I can be a little better at the sales part, but I don't, It it's so confusing because there is the part of me that's online that also wants to survive in this world that also wants to thrive in the domain of um, just material safety and beauty also like I, I enjoy nice fabrics and nice things so there's that urge as well it's like okay well how do I make this accessible how do I activate that part in people that wants to join now okay. and, and then stay rooted in, well, this this is my service. Maybe there's this little game we have to play, but when people are in this space with me, I don't play those games, you know, and, and I try to transmit a lot of that through the way I, I market. Like this is, we are diving into the mystery and I've experimented with playing with So you want a conscious man. (laughs) Like, here's how, here's here's the practice. And a lot of that is true. I mean, but ultimately the practice is surrendering into love. That is ultimately the practice. And I think there's a lot of traps in there that I that we go through in this work when I work with women. People come in, they're like, oh, okay, they want the result, right? They want that result. And I have so much compassion for that. I feel that. And I'm like, listen. Part, pretty much all of this work is about releasing. It's like I, I, honoring that you want that and also releasing all attachment to that and relaxing and resting in this moment and the openness of, of love that you are. And that is the practice. And then just trusting, again, trusting the mystery and whatever comes That and that's not easy, and I have to face that every day in myself because I want to attach to so many things because I get scared and I get overwhelmed by life and death and change and you know and there's so much that I want to hold on to. So I understand how hard the practice is. So ultimately, I'm bringing people into my practice, like, hey, this isn't easy, and let's let's be here together. Let's stay in this space together, because yeah.
0: that's truly all we can do yeah it feels like we're really as a as a collective in our little bubble um i don't know what to call it the healing world the industry but you know in our little bubble there's there's this way in which i think a lot of us in the last year or so have taken a step back to look at i know for me personally it's been about close to 18 months of like Wait. Hold on. Pause. This whole the, every the foundation of all of this is actually not totally correct, and we need to. And so all of us, I think, are looking back and going, "All right, we tried it this way." And there's this graduation, I think, from like an infancy or like more of like princess vibes to like actually stepping into we can call her queen priestess, whatever you know, but just more of a mature version of how we can lead, especially as women in the industry. And and that we're like, okay, we get that we came in on this very particular model and it worked Mm -hmm. for a while, but now we get to actually go, no, this is not how it works anymore because Mm -hmm. on a universal level, life has no guarantees ever. And that Mm -hmm. I know I'm being worked around how do I... Drop deeper into love. Open my heart even more, despite being met with nothing. <laughs> you know, whether it's whether it's by life or by a person, but really going, okay, I can close now because I didn't get what I want. I can be a little tantrumy teenager about it, or I can I can really go. What's my truth? What what actually feels? The best, what feeds me the most, what nourishes me and what nourishes me the most, and I know it nourishes a lot of feminine essence beings, is dropping deeper into that love. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's been so beautiful to witness kind of the collective consciousness unfurling around this. Yeah. Big time. Yeah
0: we're also like, we're all like <laughs> a little like crunchy and coming out of it, like twitching sideways. Like what? I feel like I've been underground for 18 months and
1: I'm just sort of like, is it time yet? I'm not it's sure. It's time it's time to really come together on this. And there's so much shadow as you were speaking to in the beginning, there's so much shadow. When I think of Instagram and, and kind of the general coaching industry, it is, I see mostly, there's a lot of women. And maybe it's just because of the what I'm interested in and the people I follow. But there is so much shadow in us as women where we we attack each other and we criticize. And I definitely have this shadow in myself, but I feel that we're aching so deeply to grow beyond that. And I think I have so much compassion for this shadow because it is so rooted in trauma, Mm -hmm. It's so rooted in ancestral pain, women's pain, right? I've been having this conversation with friends, like the only way women historically, up until very recently, had any access to their own power and sovereignty and voice was through emotional manipulation and seduction. This was our method of survival and really pitting against each other our way of survival was through men and this is so deeply embedded in us that i've been yeah just again i've been in a general deconstruction mode but really observing this in myself and in the collective how we even the most conscious of us still play in these domains and it's it's sticky territory yeah it's sticky
0: mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I have this like audacious dream of bringing together on a panel um the the people you know there's there's like camp cancel all the coaches and then you know the coaches and like actually have them have a conversation like live like around a virtual table I wish I could bring them in person that would be even better but you know because I think there's a lot of calling out of certain behavior which on some level sometimes is great right there are things that we are doing that are not ideal that are from our shadow and our trauma and like you said all we're doing is actually (laughs) continuing the old paradigm and it's not getting anyone anywhere and it's just creating more hatred and more like like very pokey energy and in the meantime you know guys are off doing their thing so (laughs) it's not like we're not no one's winning in this process but i think also what i would love to 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 have you speak on a little bit is actually the the relational piece between men and women because one thing i've been seeing and even just a couple of days ago right like russell brand there was a whole thing that came out i don't know if you have read the news i just found out like yesterday um but essentially also he's been accused of a whole bunch of different um sexual predatory behavior from back in the day. Um obviously we don't have all the information yet by the time this episode comes out we probably will. But I just I'm I I just it's just very much present for me in in uh my consciousness right now because I'm really watching how there is this domino effect where sometimes it's totally relevant. And sometimes we are, everything's so much more nuanced than that. And we are, you know, we're pulling from shadow and a lot of these women that are coming out of, you know, the the woodworks, like 20 years later, speaking to something, in some cases, I have so much compassion for like, finally, yes, you got your voice, right? Like, cool. And there's also these other scenarios, and I know you spoke to a few of those on, on your socials as well, where it's like, it's not so black and white. There's actually this confusion that's coming up around, you know, there's so much like championing of like the boundaryed woman and the woman who's finally speaking up. And I can, I have, I really understand why that exists. And at the same time. It is now being used as a manipulation tactic as you were speaking to earlier right and um i i have so much uh compassion for both sides right The, the the woman who is going okay i get to use this now because that's what's like trendy and i can or maybe it's not even a conscious thought but she's just sort of like okay now's my chance to fight back and and then the man whose entire career goes down, you know, down the drain because of a woman who is upset. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Um <laughs> and how we can possibly come in with more devotion, with more love to start to heal this piece.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so complex and nuanced, as you know. Um, so where do I begin with this on some level I think it's all working itself out like I don't know if there's a right or wrong like a lot of what's happening I just trust is being worked out like even the difference in movement from right when the me too started till now there's more conversation and freedom around hey some of this is there's some shadow at play here where i feel like that was a little taboo to bring up right in the beginning and now these deeper conversations are having around how do we approach this nuance with more nuance because there's there's shadows on both sides being played out and i've spoken to this shadow in various ways Um, the wounds that we carry as men and women for women and they, ex- they exacerbate each other. They play with each other, right? For women, that wound is um, not speaking up, not using our voice, going inward in ourselves when we're experiencing violence or experiencing, which most women, including myself, have experienced at some point in our lives, a- an assault, whether that's an energetic assault or physical assault, Um, from men and happening at a very early age for most of us. Just as soon, I remember walking down the street as a 13-year-old girl, like just getting breasts and being catcalled. And, you know, and it was really shocking for my system that was already feeling shame around my budding sexuality because I didn't have any rites of passage into really embracing that. And Mm -hmm. so it was my tendency, and the tendency of a lot of women was to really close around that and and just shut off from my sexuality, shut off from my embodied wisdom. So when I started to become sexually active, receiving, just being a yes, not really knowing my no. And so when something, my boundaries would be crossed and I would freeze, mm-hmm. right, there's times like going through my journey where I could look back on those instances and say, he, I was abused. He, he abused me in those moments. And it's true. He wasn't listening to that freeze response. But we were both in a patterned response in that moment. And for women, that response is freezing, not knowing. For men, that habitual response is disconnecting from feeling, from being so... Um, taken over by their sexual desire that they don't they don't know a woman's yes or no. And they play with each other because if I learn, like at the first moment, uh, my boundary was crossed and I just said, no, fuck, no, no, whatever it, it was in the way that it came out, as scary as it was, because who knows how he would have responded with violence, right? Because that's also embedded in our systems as women. I'm afraid to say no because I don't know the response I need to be safe, right? But if more men received that no, and and or even received more like of our expression of discomfort, because a lot of this happens in a gray territory. It's not outright abuse, and and a lot happens in there as well. But that's not what I'm speaking to. I'm talking to that gray domain where we're all just locked in in unconsciousness locked in unfeeling locked in lack of expression locked in lack of sensitivity and just inflicting our pain on each other
0: and popping in here because i'm so freaking excited about a panel series that i'm hosting with some of the most brilliant minds in the industry in november and you guys it's free no cost to you, I'm bringing together some of the most intuitive, beautiful, tapped-in thought leaders in the coaching industry, and we are here to have a conversation about a new chapter in the coaching industry, how can we do better, because let's get real for a moment and speak to the elephant in the room, the coaching industry has been a little bit of a hot mess lately. I know many people have been wanting to dismiss the entire coaching industry as like, it's a cult, it's a big old um, MLM, and others are holding on to dear life to really old tactics, sales and marketing tactics, and they're just pretending there's no recession, that anyone can manifest millions, and the truth is that it's usually somewhere in the middle. Coaching is a potent modality for transformation and the industry has some pretty gnarly outdated practices that are no longer relevant and may have harmed a lot of people. Both are true. And it's really time that we looked at what's working and what isn't and face the shadowy underbelly and explore new ways in devotion to people like yourself, the people that we want to guide. So tune in as we explore dive into and really pull out the threads of important conversations about the new trends in the coaching industry what we need to let go of what we need to start to adopt and how we can mature as an industry in order to truly stand in the embodiment of the next paradigm of leadership so you can find the link in the show notes or you can go directly to Nadia Munla dot com forward slash a n c that's like short for a new chapter so a n c there are going to be recordings of everything so if you cannot make it on the days of the event go ahead and register anyways it's totally free for you and my intention was just to make these conversations as accessible as possible for everyone because I truly believe that this is an incredibly important conversation that needs to be had and I would love for you to be there.
1: And and so I don't know the right or wrong answer, but I know that my part of my work is to serve women in accessing that know for themselves, accessing their... Their feeling bodies so that they can speak up and they can bring in that fierce feminine that actually men are so hungry for. They're uninitiated in that. And I feel my role, and of course, while men have their own work to do, my unique role, and I hope that lots of people are serving men in those ways, which I know they are, is to is to guide women in in that empowerment and to instill in them that empowerment for themselves,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, there there is so much there, and I I appreciate you speaking to the nuance dance because also I think about the men and I think about well if a lot of men's experience is only a woman who is actually a no but because of her you know, protection mechanisms is actually continuing to move through the process of intimacy. That's all they know. And so of course they're like, oh yeah, that's a yes. Because they've actually never experienced like a full body. Yes. Like a full okay. open. Yeah. And it's um, I mean, there's, there's a lot more spaces now that are allowing there to be more of that dance in a container with someone who maybe isn't necessarily a partner and who is just sort of a stand for the feminine or the masculine and that really i, I find is incredibly healing because there's a chance for forgiveness between the genders as well as um self-forgiveness for all the times that we did not stand up for ourselves And I know with all the work that I've been doing in the years that I've been doing this with all the coaching and the therapy and the polarity work, it's like, I still catch up until yesterday in my therapy session, catch myself taking anger that is still from an 11 year old, you know, Mm -hmm. violated girl and somehow unconsciously plopping it on the most recent person that I dated. You know what I mean? Like, it's just part of what. Happens, even though we consciously know that, hey, this is this is a pattern, or this is the thing that we're doing. There's just this way that the body has not completed the trauma response, and so there's still layers that we're working through. There's still these pieces of anger, and that's what I'm seeing in the collective with women is they're so so much deep-rooted even just ancestral stuff that we took on not even our own I'm looking here I've got you know my great-grandma my great-great-grandma my great-great-great-grandma all just right here in the corner and like pictures (laughs) and and I just look at them I'm like damn I'm holding some of your shit like that's for sure you know and so we get to on, on the one hand it's like just compassion but also like opportunity like how fucking cool that i get to work out some of her shit you know in this Mm -hmm. lifetime because we have that um we have the tools now we have the privilege to do that so yeah there's gosh there's so many layers there um -hmm. thank you for speaking to that um another thing i'm really excited to talk about is something you wrote about that really struck me and it it was basically you wrote when a man trusts his woman to hold herself Mm -hmm. he becomes free to love her like a king not a daddy Mm -hmm. and this to me feels very relevant as a continuation to this conversation of our work our accountability Mm -hmm. because i think part of what also tends to happen in these misconceptions, in these misinterpretations of what it means to be a devotional woman or to be in your feminine. My favorite phrase not, um, is this idea that, oh, now I'm just gonna be a puddle of emotion and that's the end of that. And now he's gotta clean it up,
1: you know? Um, how convenient.
0: <laughs> you know, and I want to honor that it's not easy to get to that point where you're a puddle. I get that that in itself is work for the modern woman. And there's a way in which it completely erases accountability and responsibility for us to hold ourselves and to be in connection with our own inner masculine. So I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit.
1: Mm, It's absolutely necessary. And the story I often like to tell when I'm speaking to these phases of evolution is the story of the hindu goddess parvati because i think she's a beautiful example of this maturation of the feminine mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll just tell it very brief and the story the version i like to tell i read in sally kempton's book awakening shakti is such a beautiful book and parvati starts as a maiden in the garden longing for her beloved shiva but he doesn't even notice her he's just he's in lost in his transcendental meditation so she's you know in a distance just pining over him and for me that represents so much the maiden energy like i can't have you you're over there and i just i love you i adore you but it's so far like it's just this it's, it's a kind of it's sweet. There's a sweetness to it, a naivety to it, and, and it also has that puddle quality. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm just a puddle of longing, right? Yeah, and and there's situations at play in this story where the other gods and goddesses want Shiva to come down to earth to do some work. He's needed, but he's very blissed in his, mm-hmm. in his transcendental state. So they kind of see this opportunity with Parvati to bring him down to earth, because what's more enticing than to engage in this earthly domain than a woman, right? (laughs) A a longing woman. And so I think there's like some Cupid figure that shoots Shiva with this arrow, and he notices her for a moment, like he peeks his eye open, and he notices her Her supple lips and her breasts and her her erotic longing and he becomes erect, but he sees that too as a trick Mm. because that's not enough. The sexuality, the the erotic feminine in itself isn't enough for him in this story. But there's we could bring this into many contexts later. (laughs) So he goes back into transcendental meditation. In that moment, Parvati realizes that she has to do the inner work. She doesn't need him to complete her she longs for him in this way that you know her as the primordial goddess of love yearns to be witnessed by consciousness which is Shiva but she needs to become Shiva too she needs to find that inner harmony so she goes and does these ascetic practices in the forest for thousands of years stands on a river on one leg you know just does all these intense practices to build her inner fire to build her inner spine and and in that she finds the play, because the way these powers of masculine and feminine work, in, in the way I relate with them, is that, and, and probably you too, is that we can only deepen in our feminine energy when there's a container. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to be our own container first and foremost, like because our partner's not always going to be there, and to hold us, we can't rely on that. Because if they're not there, unavailable, we're just gonna we're gonna be that puddle, and that's not sustainable for us as as individuals. Yes, we can play in this beautiful domain of polarity together with the partner, but at the end of the day, we also have a solo journey. We are also individual beings and need to go on this journey within our own evolution right so finding that inner spine anchoring in our own depth of awareness touching that that groundless space for our deepest love to unfurl which is the feminine right so parvati goes on this journey and she comes back into the garden more radiant than she's ever been just pulsing alive as love with that own inner strength and shiva immediately is like I want you like it. He claims her in that moment and yeah. they, they, they then go into their tantric marriage and their union, which symbolizes so much more. But to me that, that story really conveys um, the journey that we must go through as women in accessing our fullest feminine power. And yes, once you have a partner, you can play on surrendering yeah. that part of yourself. You can let your partner hold that pole of, the witness of awareness of consciousness as you fully release and and and, th- and that's an incredible practice to experience to or the oneness through two bodies right and that's yeah. but we also need to be able to do it in ourselves
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean it strikes me also as like really codependent <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if we're <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> i don't know what my voice is <clears throat> Yeah, it really strikes me as codependent when we go, okay, I'm just going to be in this one energy and I need another energy to complete me. I mean <laughs> it's like, okay, um seems like codependency one one. And and of course there's places like you said that are it's so it's so potent to play with being in one extreme, but Similar to the nervous system where it's not actually healthy for us to be in just one mode. The the health comes from a a dynamic state from being able to go from, you know, okay, I'm regulated to actually here's something that's about to attack me. I got to go into dysregulation and run for my life and then come back to regulation really quickly, right? That ebb and flow, I mean, that is universal law of nature as is, hey, can I be so deeply in the, like, can, do I have that capacity to move between feminine, masculine and the union of both? Yes. Like that's health from a polarity Absolutely. standpoint. Absolutely.
1: Yes. From from many standpoints, that's health.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Fluidity, fluidity in mind and body.
0: Yeah. I also, as you were speaking, I was thinking a lot about like this idea, you know, the yearning, the longing, the more 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 like i just want more i always want more i want more Mm -hmm. and i think that there is also this piece where the mechanism of i want more 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 is actually a way for us to consistently as humans in like a very primal animal flesh body to constantly be inviting in more of the divine Like it's this mechanism to go like, okay, I actually want more God. I want more divine. I want more life force in me. Um, And if that hunger stops, then we're just like a human doing the thing, you know, but like that hunger is actually, and then it manifests of course, on some level, because we're two, you know, primal beings and procreation is a whole nother mechanism. And so there is this like, let's come together. But to me, on a spiritual level, it is so much more this mechanism of continuing to invite God in.
1: Absolutely. Yearning, I am so fascinated by it. I teach about it so much because to me it is the lifeblood of the universe. It's what propels all of creation and evolution is this quality of yearning on so many different levels. I remember my mind being blown when I was learning about embryology and in the way that it was being discussed like there's this force there's this force that's of course the force that guides two lovers together yearning right sexual yearning erotic yearning the force that drives the sperm to the egg the force that multiplies the embryo into a fetus from one cell to two cells, right, to four cells. And then the force that grows us Mm -hmm. as a human and also the force that grows us, our consciousness, the force that expands us. And in so many mystical traditions, belonging is seen as this very sacred thing because it is what connects us to God. It is the force that, that if we can surrender to it, leads us to that... uh, divine union in fleeting moments of course (laughs) because then it's like we reach that experience of total bliss and union and then the yearning comes in again how can I push this next layer more 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 and that's such a beautiful thing and and so much of the practice that I teach is around um uh kind of disassembling our our own personal story around what we need what we want and just surrendering into the quality and the experience of yearning itself as the greatest devotional practice as the greatest practice of surrender i don't know where this is going to leave me and this ties into what we were speaking about before i don't know where this is going it hurts to stay here because yearning aches and I trust in this, this primordial power, this power that it has this intelligence Mm -hmm. that moves towards wholeness always. And, and that's where my devotion comes in because, you know, of all the things I lose faith in, like that is not one. I trust in that power of the universe to Mm -hmm. continually evolve us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a deep process that we're going through right now. And, you know, one thing that I keep speaking to is, I just feel like I keep landing back to, we don't know anything, we're not going to know, we'll never know. (laughs) There's nothing guaranteed. Lots of things are not going to be in our preference. And the work, like the place where we do get to Like master or cultivate is very much one of how can we be alchemical vessels Mm -hmm. how can we use our body our breath our you know our somatic experience Mm -hmm. and our energetic experience here to actually take what is in front of us which is some oftentimes not our preference Mm -hmm. and how do we turn that like literally just bring it into like the cauldron of our, you know, our bellies and and turn it into something else through breath, through movement, through orgasm, through whatever else we want to do. And that is something we can lean on. That's something that we can trust because we go, if I know I have the capacity because I've been working on cultivating with taking something and shifting it into something else we there's a little bit of relaxation that can happen in our bodies that it's not just everything's uncertain and there's nothing I can do and I have no control over anything and essentially it brings back like a level of contraction
1: mm-hmm. yeah I was speaking of this with a client yesterday and in buddhism the term is groundless ground oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like how can we relax in that space yeah yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. so okay so if people are listening and they're like well it sounds like she really has it all figured out
1: (laughs) like she's oh yeah she's
0: yeah you know like these two they seem to know what they're talking about um (laughs) let's maybe debunk that a little bit as well because we're just two humans walking around and um Mm. what I'd love to bring into the conversation is a little bit of the edges that we're both working and I'm um Mm. And I'll start with it's actually ties into a little bit of what we spoke about earlier. I know for me, you know, where I'm (laughs) the place that I'm edging at is essentially really sinking deeper and deeper into trust of the divine. For me, I I was born into a war. To me, the world was a dangerous place you know, add on a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, it's just never like it was me against the world. It's sort of the energy. And so in this phase in my life, I'm very much in this place of, it's, I'm turning 42 next month. I have none of the circumstances that my ego would want to have in place at this point. Um, I currently do not have a partner. I have I'm not a mother. I'm not sure if I want to be, but I would like that option. Um the business is completely revamping, like it's like start, it feels like it's like a little baby lamb again. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's all these pieces that I'm like, wow, that's not at all where I thought I'd be. Mm -hmm. And the stretch for me, my edge, has been very much about how do I have faith and trust and keep my heart open despite the fact that nothing is looking like the way that I want it to? And how do I work with not going into being the spiritual good girl of like, but I did all the things. And so shouldn't I get a reward? Shouldn't I get a husband? And it's like, (laughs) maybe not. Like, maybe that ain't coming, you know? Um, And so that to me has been, I would say on the deepest level, really humbling to realize how much of that mechanism has been working, has been in my programming of like, oh, if I do it a certain way, I will receive a reward at the end and really learning to come back to no, this is a devotional practice I'm doing, not for anything Mm -hmm. except for the practice itself, which is like, I can't (laughs) say I have not gotten an A plus in it yet. See <laughs> yeah, how the programming is still there. <laughs> yeah. So so that's a little bit about what's coming up for me. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I'm curious if there's there's an edge that you've been working that you're open to sharing with us.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel threads of what you're sharing, absolutely. And I've mentioned the word deconstruction a few times because that's where I feel I've been in this process for maybe the, the past several months or so and I, I feel this process has certainly come in spirals throughout my life it's just like mm-hmm. a new version of <laughs> it <laughs> totally. absolutely a new version um, and it's like this shedding of false confidence mm-hmm. false confidence which has left me feeling really in a beautiful way, in a beautiful like it's I, I'm really relishing in this experience, even though it's super uncomfortable and unpleasant. I can also feel the the beauty in it. And it, it's just feeling very naked. Naked and exposed and raw. And like I can't put these facades on anymore. I just am so uninterested. And and it's it's posed a um an obstacle to how I show up publicly, which is already something I really don't enjoy doing, like being a public face. I'm a very introverted person. So already it's a stretch for me, even though I'm like, I love to serve, right? I love to serve. So that's what motivates me to share. But I'm just, through this process I've been going through, I'm like, how, how do I do this? Like, it's, I'm really comfortable. You know, I teach about intimacy and one-on-one, closed containers i'm like can really show myself but when it comes to the public domain it's it's that's an edge for me showing my nakedness in the public where there's anyone can throw a tomato at your face like not everyone's enrolling to be there right it's just like it's it's a very vulnerable place and i'm wondering how much do i want to actually lean into this maybe it's just maybe yeah I, i i don't have the answers but that that's where the edge is. Is how do I show up in this nakedness and still honor my own uh, boundaries? Yeah, oh, such a good
0: inquiry to be in, and and I imagine you are not the only one. I think everyone is doing like a lot of double takes on like, wait, do I want to be here talking about this stuff on this particular platform? Like, there's just like a lot of different things around mm-hmm. that that I think are coming up and. I see this as a beautiful readjustment. Like you were saying earlier, there's like everything sort of working itself out. That's what it feels like here, where it was initially like, blast out into the entire world. Tell everyone mm-hmm. how many followers can you get? Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. and now it's like, there's all of us are actually desiring more intimacy, which is great. Cause that's what you and I teach just like intimacy. It's like, everyone wants to come back into like, little women's circles in their community and I'm like yes please more of that like enough with like the common section you know like let's actually be in physical connection together and it doesn't have to be big and shiny and it and uh, in fact often that has a hollow you know, center and that actually something simple and sweet. You know, I was just back home with my family. I I grew up in Lebanon in the Middle East. And I was just back last month and just sitting in the living room with like my two aunts and my dad and my two little half sisters. And everyone's just sort of just, just around, just doing their own thing. Like, but we're in the same room, which is such a thing in our culture. And it's like, It was just something so sweet about it, where it's like I think there's just so much satisfaction that we can get from things like that, versus oh I have to be on stage in front of you know twenty thousand people in order to feel like satisfied. It's like I just want to have my dad and my aunt around, like reading a book, you know.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) I'm so glad we're claiming, reclaiming that. Exactly. I feel so many of us were indoctrinated just through social media you know we're such a collective we're so connected our our consciousnesses you know it's like when a movement happens it's it's hard to not confront like the parts of us that maybe do want these things that maybe do want recognition and, and play in it and then ultimately feel unsatisfied and like wait so again trusting the process like it's important to to experiment so that we can return to the simplicity of just living uh, from me I, maybe i'll just speak to myself living a humble life
0: mm-hmm.
1: a mm-hmm. humble and simple life and also honoring my need to live my purpose yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. beautiful combo which takes us back to the inner union of both energies. Okay. So to close this off, I would love to hear about like, what is right now really like pulling you out of bed? Like when you're like waking up, I just want to go and talk about this or teach about that. And what is really lighting you up? And that may include also things that you're offering in the
1: world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So I, I run a group program called Ecstatic Love. It's an eight-week group program for women, and I'm about to uh, launch the fifth round of it, and it starts on October 25th. And it's just—it's—it's it's my baby. Like I've had different offerings. I'm like, oh, that was nice, but this one—it just keeps getting deeper and deeper every time because it's, it everything we've been talking about today, we really get into the heart of. Um, and also do the embodied practice of it. So really ecstatic love. I think the name says a lot, but it's it's a, a direct experience with the love that we are and guiding us into that and celebrating that in each other as women. So I guide us into a lot of practices um, that deepen our own experience of love. I guide us in practices that deepen our expression, our skillful expression of love. Um, whether that's just for ourselves or in our devotional practice and also in intimate relationships. So we do explore a lot of these concepts of yogic intimacy. So I, I'm you know, I'm in the phase right now where we're getting it all together and you know definitely up in the morning getting in that zone of ready to share this with the world again. So um, yeah, just putting that out there for anyone who is interested. There's if I could just
0: eternally be a student of embodiment, I I mean I am and I, I would love to do even more if I had a countless hours in the day. I would spend it doing just that. So I know how important and valuable and um how nourishing it is, bro. 'Cause ultimately, as we as we figured out today, it's really not so much about the result, but it's like, how does it feel in the moment? Because that's actually all we have. And I find embodiment practices are the easiest way in for me, at least. So yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and telling a beautiful story. I really enjoyed the story time part. <laughs> and um and all the different places we went. So, yeah, I appreciate you and the work you're doing in the world. It's so so important and um yeah, I just appreciate your wisdom. Thank you, Nadia. Likewise. If you enjoyed the guest on this episode, you can head on over to the show notes to get more info on their bio, their work, their website, and all the good stuff. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We would love for you to rate and review the show, and I'd love to know your takeaways from the episode. You can do that by DMing me on Instagram at Nadia Munla.